to John Swinfield's Big Business Podcast. And now, let me introduce your host, journalist and writer, John Swinfield. Hello, I'm John Swinfield. Welcome to Big Business. I'm a journalist and television producer, and I've spent much of my life writing and making films about business bosses. I hope you find this pod gossipy, irreverent, informative, and even fun. If you like the feed, please don't forget to click the subscriber button. Big Business is on every week at 11am GMT on Wednesdays. Mobile phones have made some people seriously rich, while others have not been quite as fortunate. John Cordwell became fabulously wealthy through the explosion in sales of mobile phones. I first met him in the year 2000 when I called at his heavily timbered Tudor mansion set in 30 acres in North Staffordshire. He was refurbishing it and though still unfinished it was already spectacular. I told him I'd drop in at nine but was there at eight which I suppose was a little discourteous. He didn't seem to mind though he was still in his dressing gown. You caught me, he laughed. Just for once, I was having a lion. I have an affection for Staffordshire. My mother came from there, and it's where I was born. It's a beautiful, underrated county. I was raised on Arnold Bennett's famous book, The Card. Cordwell is keen on keep fit. He made me coffee in the kitchen, marginally smaller than the Great Hall, where he had a trampoline. The hall was as lofty as a cathedral, so it didn't matter how high he bounced. His helicopter stood on the lawn and a gleaming Bentley on the drive. Cordwell said he preferred his racing bike to the Bentley and often used a beat-up pool car. In 1987, when he started his company, he was selling second-hand cars from a lot in his hometown of Stoke-on-Trent. The company rocketed, and today he's a billionaire, the founder of the mobile phone company Phones For You. I love old houses, he said, looking around. Antiquity. If I was flash, I'd have bought a new pad, all electric, jacuzzis and so on. As soon as you get something better than a Ford Mondeo or a three-bedroom house, you get jealousy. If I worried about jealousy, I'd never get out of bed. I'd never do anything. Cordwell began by selling phones to car dealers. He told me, I used to leave leaflets under their wiper blades. Car dealers were early phone users. They loved them. Motor dealers are always on the phone. I became known as the Motorola man and later the mobile phone king. I ended up spending most of my time struggling to buy cars at the auctions because I was so busy selling phones. I'd take a car full of phones and sell them to all the motor traders. That's what really got me started. From there, we opened a shop three or four years later, and I looked at every angle. Then we started wholesaling. I asked him about raising finance. Most businesses struggle to find capital at the outset. Did he have to borrow money to get started? Well, no, he said. I built up a bit through the car sales. After a while, we closed the car business. It wasn't really saleable. When Brian and I, my brother, that is, who's also in the business, 
When we took our skill out of the car company, well, there was nothing really left to sell. It was sad in some respects, but you have to move on. The year after we closed the car side, we turned over a million pounds in the phone business. The growth of Cordwell's company has been extraordinary. He told me it's been fabulously exciting and fabulously stressful. What we've achieved is incredible. IT systems, commercial agreements, premises, negotiating all the time for new buildings, moving from 50,000 square feet to 100,000 square feet. Desks, phones, we needed everything. It never stopped. We have to keep on accommodating people. We're flooding people into the business all the time. It's a long way from when I was just a one-man band begging the bank to give me another £500 to go and buy a car or whatever. I asked him about his background, his upbringing. My father, he said, had a stroke when I was 14. He died four years later. Things just fell apart. That moles you. From seven, I saw myself being rich. It sounds precocious, even preposterous. I know that. Cordwell abandoned his A-levels and worked at Michelin for ten years, beginning as an apprentice. I desperately wanted my own business, he said. I started a grocery shop which my wife ran, but it was a disaster. Reward simply didn't match effort. If you're in a business, be in the right one. Be in a business with horizons. Cordwell is a born entrepreneur. He started selling motorcycle clothing by mail order. Frustrated with the grocery shop and his other ventures, he began trading in cars. Used car salesmen spend their lives on the phone. They're always in touch with auctions, garages, dealers and would-be customers. He told me, when I was a car dealer, I needed a mobile phone. I was offered a Motorola phone for £1,500. I worked it out that if I bought two... I could have them for £1,350 each, so I'd saved £300. I thought to myself, how cheaply could I buy then a bunch of them? I eventually bought 26 for a good price, but it took eight months to sell them. Eight months! We now sell 26 phones every minute. The business moved into the old Minton building in Stoke one of the most illustrious names from the golden days when china and ceramics from the potteries ruled the world. It was in disrepair. We totally renovated it, John Cordwell told me. Everybody said, what are you going to do with it? It's 28,000 square feet. Massive. We've been operating in 5,000 square feet. Well, a year later, it was a bursting point. So I took the same amount of space again. Six months later, that too was bursting at the seams. So we took another 70,000 square feet, and that's now coming apart at the seams. The business has mushroomed so much. It doesn't matter what decision you make, it's never big enough because of the constant need for expansion. He told me that finding staff for his business was difficult. If we advertise for an MD, he said, we'll be lucky to find anybody from a thousand replies. We don't want or need normal corporate managers. They die in our business. 
The skills boil down to extreme resilience and a strong will to win. I've got those qualities, but I must replicate them in my people, and that's the hardest thing to do. In 2006, the Cordwell Group was sold for £1.46 billion to the private equity firms Providence Equity Partners and Doughty Hansen. John Cordwell is now active in real estate, fashion and several other sectors. Cordwell is a foremost philanthropist. He chairs the Cordwell Children's Charity, which has raised £27 million and supports such institutions as Great Ormond Street Hospital, Marie Curie and Elton John's AIDS Foundation. In 2013, he signed up to the Bill Gates and Warren Buffet's Giving Pledge, which asked billionaires to commit at least half their wealth to charity during their lifetime. In 2015, he was hit by tragedy, saying that 11 of his family members, including himself, had been diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease. Said to be worth an estimated £1.566 billion, that's from the Sunday Times Rich List, he hasn't lost his love of cycling, raising thousands of pounds through charity bike rides, and he still likes historic and costly houses, including a vast mansion in London's Mayfair. He actually knocked two properties into one, which is now valued at some £250 million. He says it's far too big for him, and it will be used as a business and entertaining venue for his many charitable projects. The other telephone king I'm going to talk about is Charles Dunstan. It's gratifying to have spotted early potential and written about a company when it was still in its infancy, though I can't claim that Carphone Warehouse was in embryo when I first wrote of it way back in 1997. By then it had been going seven years, and already had a £110 million turnover with £7 million in profits. Charles Dunstan and the co-founder David Ross created the business with £6,000 worth of savings. The company began in a flat in Harley Street in London with an advertisement in the London Evening Standard aimed at companies with less than 200 employees. It was a smart move with phone retailers at the time only targeting big companies. Dunstan's phone rang immediately, and it didn't stop. This then was the birth of Carphone Warehouse. When I first met Dunstan, he was 32, with 800 workers. Their average age was 27. He's a pleasant, jolly, charmingly shrewd and plausible chap. We were in his modest and a memorable office on an industrial estate in the unglamorous London suburb of Acton. I wrote that he was a natural salesman with razor-sharp wits. He told me I could pick up a phone now and start a bidding war between three or four people if I wanted to sell out, which I don't. He had, at the time, 108 phone shops in the UK. He'd shown me a warehouse packed with millions of phones. As a businessman, he had that certain indefinable something which, even in those early days, marked him out. He told me, We came on stream when the market was beginning to go wild, 
Our timing was very fortunate. We spotted an opportunity and we exploited it. We're very focused. Dunstan went to Uppingham Public School. He didn't go to university, but he worked instead for Torch Computers. Torch was a shambles, he told me, but I learned a lot. He said that he'd also worked for the Japanese NEC, the communications giant. NEC taught me, he said, that there are no shortcuts. It's all in the details. At meetings, they'd listen to people's ideas. It's not cut and dried beforehand. In 2021, one can look back on the business and there undoubtedly have been ups and downs. Controversy, flotation, the shares seesawing, but he never lost faith. He bought more shares, being its biggest shareholder. In 2003, he founded Talk Talk as part of Carphone Warehouse. Talk Talk was spun out as a standalone business in 2010, offering telecommunications, internet access, mobile network services, and pay television. In 2021, Talk Talk was sold to Tosca Fund, an investment firm, for £1.1 billion. A keen sailor, he had a fine racing yacht. He now has a very beautiful motor vessel, a vintage craft which he's expensively and meticulously refurbished. I always think Dunstan and Cordwell are ones to watch. It wouldn't surprise me if one or both started or popped up again at the helm of some fast-growing enterprise. Entrepreneurs tend to die with their boots on, and if something goes wrong, they turn round, brush themselves down, and guess what? They start all over again. It's what I would call the rubber ball effect. No matter what happens, they usually bounce back. Not everybody has had luck and success in the phone industry. Some years ago, a very bright chap called Nigel Playford ran into problems. I always liked Nigel. He had a luminous optimism in the face of adversity and powerful competition. Nigel Playford set up a company called Ionica, which would challenge the mighty British telecom BT. I must say, from the outset of this startup company, it always sounded to me a mite ingenuous if not marginally batty. But, hey-ho, everybody loves the idea of a David versus a Goliath. And if an underdog could give a giant like BT a punch on the nose, well, all's fair in love and war. Why not? Ionica raised £250 million for a phone system that worked through radio waves instead of wires. All the user needed was a dish on an outside wall. £250 million sounds chunky. It's nothing today, of course. And even at the time, it was still peanuts in the trillion-pound world of telecoms. Ionica floated in 1997, the shares trading at £3.90. At its height, the company was valued at more than a billion pounds. A year later, though, it ceased trading, beaten by debt escalating costs and technical problems. Its collapse shook the investing community and it spurred the Jeremiahs, who maintained that high-tech was too risky for serious investors. 
With a first-class honours degree in electrical engineering from Imperial College, where good degrees don't fall off trees, Nigel told me before Ionica's crash, you know, doing well in exams certainly helps. It opens doors. But creativity, flexibility, imagination, they're the things that mark great people out. So how imaginative was he? I asked. He said, well, I'm pretty crazy. When somebody tells me something, I want to prove the idea wrong in order to prove it right. If an idea's good, it should be capable of being tested to destruction. But wasn't the idea, I asked him, of taking on British Telecom just a little too crazy? Nigel smiled. He could be such a charmer. The man in the street, he said, doesn't like big boys beating up little boys. It would leave only one guy on the block, and everybody knows that isn't fair. He was right, of course. But sadly, fairness and business don't always share the same bed. Nigel eventually bounced back. As I've said, it's what entrepreneurs do. And his son is now in the communications business himself. I wish both of them well. In business, if you don't try, you'll never succeed. You've been listening to Big Business. This is John Swinfield signing off. Don't forget to click on subscribe. I'm on every Wednesday at 11am GMT.